Welcome to Ismene is a podcast. I am one of your hosts, Omar Lopez, and I'm joined with someone who only wears coral blue number two semi-gloss lipstick. Josh Hemo. I think it matches my eyes really well, actually. Yeah, it really makes those those brown peepers pop. Thanks. (laughs) For uh, any of you who are just tuning in to this podcast for the first time, we are a SpongeBob podcast, and we like to watch SpongeBob just like the rest of you, hopefully and discuss little life lessons that we can learn from our favorite yellow boy. Yellow boy. We are watching Season 3, Episode 13, New Student Starfish and Clams. Act 1, New Student Starfish. So in this act, SpongeBob takes Patrick to boating school because Patrick came over and was like, let's go jellyfishing. But of course, SpongeBob being the lifelong student that he is had to go and so patrick decides to join him and patrick causes a little bit of a ruckus making spongebob lose his good noodle status and get into tension and all these other shenanigans pretty simple act overall josh but to start us off i wanted to ask um how many days do you think it took spongebob to get those good noodle stars he got like 74 of them i think if i remember right I would say, no, knowing Spongebob, it probably only took him, like, what, like, a month? I can't imagine it took him that long. Like, a lot of them were, like, really redundant things, too, like, cleanly as desk or something like that. Yeah, like, basic slash advanced desk sanitation. Yeah, and I feel like Mrs. Puff probably gives him those stars to shut him up, so that way he's not, like, interrupting or, like, being, like, the teacher's pet all the time, you know? And I'm also pretty positive that no one else is engaged in that class. Oh, yeah, 100%. Anything that we've seen in the past is an indicator that no one cares about that class except for SpongeBob. Yeah. Which, 0%. unfortunately, to his detriment, it has, like, doesn't have any play in it. So, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> but, like, how many days a week do you think he goes to school? Like, we're assuming that he does work in between. Do you think it's like a once a week class? That's what I would kind of figure, right? It could be. Then I could see like the month, like once a week. It takes like, yeah, I could see yeah. that. I feel, yeah, I just feel, I feel like every time we talk about the boating school, it always seems like this huge, like a bigger school situation than like what boat, like driving should be. It's like this yeah. alternate timeline where he maybe he doesn't work and just goes to school full time and stuff like that, right? Maybe it's one of his past lives. Maybe. Or maybe it's like a prequel to him getting hired at the Krusty Krab. I just don't. Yeah, like, that was the biggest thing that was bugging for me. I was like, why does a boating school have lockers? Yeah. And trophies like, not and even, like, all this yeah, other not stuff. not even, like, yeah. places of work have lockers no. and stuff like that. <laughs> like, you know? Like, and you go there more often. You're lucky I if would you get say. a cubby. <laughs> <laughs> a little name tag, that's it. Yeah. But no, and then like being a good noodle, it's like isn't very complex. It's like attendance, penmanship, and then keeping your desk clean, which we saw like doesn't even really matter because like you get you. It's like a free for all kind of desk situation. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It reminded me. Did you ever have those uh, systems in like elementary school where you had to like turn your card from like green to yellow to red? I think I had them like very early on, but I don't remember them very well. Like I don't remember a teacher who had them like for a while, you know? Oh, yeah. I think the only time I had it was 
first grade, but it's still like seared into my memory of like having to get up from your desk in the middle of class in front of everyone and change your card from green to like yellow or red. And you're like the shame of the entire class. I need to ask my teacher friends because I do think some of them do do that. They do do like the card system where it's like kind of like soccer. You get the yellow card, red card or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it works because I've always been told like when you're training a dog, it should always be positive reinforcement. Yeah. And then I know that like new age school parenting is kind of like more on the side of not doing any negative reinforcement, which again, it's kind of like those weird things because in real life there is negative reinforcement. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was going to say. It's like, it's hard to see that this system actually works because if I go to work and I mess up, I'm not going to get like a positive reinforcement. I'm going to get my (laughs) chewed out basically. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know, but it's I guess the benefit of like having parents who would like before it was like not PC to hit your kids. Like I definitely got like spanked and stuff, but like it wasn't bad. I feel like it probably helped me be less of a little. (laughs) I mean, that's like the thing that a lot of people have discussions about. It's like spanking kids, whether or not it's like because I'm more of the school of thought that you shouldn't just because they have done studies that says that like it supposedly leads more anxiety and depression like later on (laughs) but like but like even that besides that it is uh the argument i've always been told is like you literally just have to think about it from like the kid's perspective like the kid doesn't really understand like the difference between like like okay as an adult if someone beats your and you were being a piece of like you know it's because you were being a piece of yeah right but, like, as a child, like, if someone, like, hits you, you don't know, you can't really differentiate the emotions, I guess, if that it, makes sense. No, it does make sense, yeah. I feel like the ones that, like, I remember more weren't, like, I don't think I ever got hit as, like, a small kid. It was more, like, middle school and stuff when I started being yeah. much more of a little <laughs> And I'm, like, getting smacked in the mouth for saying something stupid, right? Like, yeah. that, I feel like, is a little different. Because at that point, I have, like, more of a cognitive idea of what I'm doing, I guess. But so now that's a good transition to the big thing do you think patrick had a secret like actual reason like he knew that he was getting spongebob in trouble i think so you know i i don't think that he was purposely like or not accidentally like around and not trying to like not you know not mess with spongebob i think he actually was trying to get spongebob in trouble because he was jealous of all those stars he had I could see that. Yeah. And then, like, I, I think it's kind of messed up when a teacher builds you up like that. Like, mm-hmm. you have, like, this whole, like, like you are literally the best student. And I, I find that a lot in, even in a work environment. Like, if you are the top of your class or top of your group or whatever, then you have, like, the highest expectations put on you. Yeah. So even if you, like, are disruptive one day, for one day, SpongeBob was disruptive and he got detention. And, like, it's just one of those things, like, he, again, it goes above and beyond compared to all the other students. He has 74 stars. And, again, we could say that maybe it's his tenure there because he's been there for forever and the other students are, like, only there for one night and then <laughs> pass their voting test the next time. But, like, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt and that he's been there the same amount of time as at least his current group of students. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I just think it's it's up of, like, mentors and people like that to, like, Use you as an example. Really, like, yeah, use yeah. you as an example or even just like build, like break you down. Like it's, 
it's punishing someone for just having a slight mistake. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, that's, that's one thing I had a hard time with. It's just a poor teaching model. I think, you know, Mm. you know, Mrs. Pup, I don't think she's, I want to say she's the best teacher, you know? So I think she does have her faults and I think that's definitely one of them. I mean, she is a big fat meanie according to (laughs) every, and everyone apparently like her whole drawer is full of those drawings of her and stuff. So <laughs> even that even desk, like the yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about that desk for a little yeah. bit. That like bad guy, that bad student desk. Was there? Did you ever have a bad student desk? Like, was there a spot where you're like the bad kids are sent? I don't know. There's definitely. I don't think there's a spot where like there's bad kids because mm-hmm. like I was, there's definitely parts of the room where like I would sit and I'd be like, eh, like this just isn't the best vantage point for learning, yeah. but it is like the best vantage point for just around yeah and i think it was less about like where you were sat and who you were sat around because like even like good students like some of like the popular kids i would say the quote-unquote popular kids at like in my classes they would just be gossipy with each other it's just like again it's just like how spongebob and like patrick were doing like they were giggling yeah it's like they're just having fun and sometimes if you're in the middle in between those people, it's like the worst. It doesn't mean that you're a bad student. It's just like you either adapt to that environment or you're you're just annoyed the entire time. Yeah, it pulls you away from learning. But I definitely mm-hmm. think whoever sent to that back desk like definitely doesn't care. Like all the graffiti everywhere, there's like seahorses rule or like nematodes. Oh, yeah. Our schools for nematodes or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, they also had on the desk schools for chumps. Yeah, <laughs> which I mean they're not wrong, but whatever. But that's one thing I, I wanted to bring up for a small lesson was that like not every school situation is conducive to learning. Yeah. Because you know? I mean, look at SpongeBob. Once he was in the back of the class, he had no idea what Mrs. Puff was even doing. Yeah. So maybe it is like a, a desk thing. It could maybe be. we should start paying attention where kids sit. Maybe that's why they do assigned seating in schools. Oh, I hate the opposite though. You ever had that this opposite situation where it's like, oh, it's just random seating but like no one adheres to the the order that's been given i think in college it was like that a lot like you'd sit in one spot and then you go in the next day or the next class and there'd be someone in your seat like i wanted that seat that is my seat and i've already claimed it for the last two weeks i don't know why you're in my chair right now (laughs) yeah and it just throws off the whole group because then you move to a slightly different spot and then if your like seatmates don't change, like if you actually talk to your seatmates mates, if they don't like show up, then it's like, man, then you're all alone. It it's really crappy. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you have like friends that go to class with you and now your mm-hmm. spots are taken, you gotta go sit away from each other. It's the worst. It's absolutely the worst. <laughs> Speaking of the worst, I thought SpongeBob was such an at the beginning of this episode his like passive aggressive comment to Gary after he has the, the whole mo- morning routine, which we've seen before. But Gary yeah. like is this like nice guy who's like helping him get ready and make some toast. And then SpongeBob's like, that was great. Um, but the toast could be a little darker. I was like, you are such a jerk. This snail yeah. is taking his time out of his day to help you and out. What is what does SpongeBob have the most chaotic wake up sequence? <laughs> I don't know. Like I feel I thought mine was chaotic because I wait like five minutes before I have to be anywhere to just start getting ready. <laughs> but like he has to launch out of bed get tea and catch toast all before like hitting the ground and it's ridiculous like like you said gary was being very helpful but like still it's like 
I can't imagine even like the most organized person waking up that way. Oh no, zero percent. I don't know anyone who can <laughs> function like that. I don't know how they do it. Um, I do like the when so like that the whole scene where like Patrick goes, oh, or where SpongeBob is like, what do you normally do when I'm gone? And he says, wait for you to get back. I think it's a very sweet moment, and I know a lot of people like on the internet really like it. Yeah. But I think there's also something to be said when Patrick's like, oh, um, when he starts having like that, like, I guess, flashback, or I guess fantasy, I would say, of them in school together, like with like a class picture. And I yeah. think there's something to be said about like experiencing school with other people and then reminiscing about it, because like, I can't tell you how many times like. Um, as more and more like my friends from Arizona move to like New York, even like high school and in college, just having that shared set of like, uh, like memories in school is it's kind of nice. It's there's like a nice little nostalgia that comes with conversations with those people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I definitely understand that. I definitely get it. I definitely got the lesson. Like, I mean, no, SpongeBob is uh very good about it. How he shows up to school at like six a.m. even though it doesn't start until nine. It's like it's it's a good idea. It's always a good idea to be early to places. I'm the worst about that. I'm like consistently at least five minutes late. But also wrote that down is try yeah. to try to be on time. Try to be on time. Well, like, what does he say? Try to be early to be on time or yeah. something like that. Yeah, and it was. I was like, oh man, like my parents used to say like like that all the time to me. Yeah, I think there's and, a saying that I've heard like at the beginning of every call I've been to, basically, where it's like to be early is on time, to be on time is late, and to be late is to be fired or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I hate that though, because yeah. okay, if you want people there fifteen minutes early, then schedule them fifteen minutes early. Yeah. If you want people to be there right at whatever, then schedule them at that time. I do believe, though, like if you're supposed to be there at two o'clock, you should be ready to go at two o'clock. It shouldn't be like I strolled in at two, had to take and then like got to work. Right. Yeah. I think it should be I showed up at two o'clock and I'm ready to work. If I needed to take a shit, I should have been there early. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just a good practice to have is just being ready to go. I mean, I can see like in an office setting where it's easier to be like, all right, I showed up at nine. I can go take it now. I'm going to yeah. sit at my desk for 10 hours anyways or whatever. Yeah. It's fine. But like in any other career where you're like hands on, you should be ready to go and start working on a project because you're just slowing everyone else down at that point. Now, I've definitely worked with people who are like, oh, well, I'm always early. But then they show up to like the actual office like they were early, but they showed up to the actual office like with a nice coffee mm. or like. Even if they bring coffee for other people, I'm like, okay, but re- were you really early though? Because you weren't actually early. You went to go get coffee and then you weren't really ready to go until like 20 minutes after you said you had to be here. They you just know? using that, that coffee as an excuse. Yeah. Okay. I don't think <laughs> this episode, this act would be complete if we didn't bring up Roger, <laughs> this sentient egg chick. <laughs> combo like uh, like chicken i guess yeah um but egg for most of the most of the time and that one-way chalkboard that mrs puff had <laughs> and like why why uh, any of those things why why boating school has to do with an egg and why roger has anything to do 
with, with anything. any part of the plot and then also mrs puff having a one-way chalkboard <laughs> which seems like a weird creepy like pervert thing to have 100 percent, right as a teacher to be like spying on your students and stuff i don't get that i mean she again her teaching methods are a little a little strange so like maybe it works could, for her i could see that being useful though like imagine like you're in high school or and you leave the you know, a teacher leaves the room and they go into like a little back room where they can see you. Yeah. Like that seems good. Teachers that just seems have... like helpful for them, but it is like kind of fucked up on like a student privacy situation. Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, teachers have like cameras and stuff now. They can just watch on their iPhones as the students destroy their classroom and stuff, so. Yeah. But Roger the... is wild though. Like oh, yeah. it's a real chick, like little baby chicken who can speak and, and under breathe underwater. Yeah, I don't understand how that all works. And is sustained by a light bulb, which yeah, <laughs> definitely not warm that. enough. No, definitely not. Um, but one thing I do want to bring up is I think when SpongeBob was keeping him warm, Roger definitely went up SpongeBob. Oh, but... uh, did you hear the sound effect? The little pops yeah, the... yeah. Oh like, yeah, yep. And just like right in it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, SpongeBob took it up right that hole. Bubble break time. Boop, 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 boop. All right, so we're going to take a hint out of the detention part of the last episode. And I'm curious, Omar, what is the worst time you've ever gotten in trouble? And, like, what was the punishment for that? Well, at my school, we used to have these things called, like, behavior sheets. Uh-huh. And basically, it was, like, the mobile version of a, like, the cards. So if you got, like, four signatures in a week, you had detention at the end of the week. But if, oh, no, if you had four signatures in a day you got detention at the end of the week. And if you got five signatures, like for the week, you would get detention. So like you could split it up between multiple days or whatever. And whenever like a teacher got mad at you, they would just sign your behavior sheet. Um, but the time where I almost, I would say like where I got like all the way sent to the principal office for this situation. So again, I've mentioned before on the podcast, I did not hang out with like the nicest of children um, in middle school. We used to bully this one kid. I, f- I feel bad. But again, I was always on the periphery of that. So I guess one of the rules for the behavior sheets is you had like a homeroom and every week you were supposed to get your new behavior sheet. So they had to collect the old ones to see how many signatures you got on Thursday. And then on Friday, you would have the detention if that was like the situation. So what we ended up doing, and by we, I mean they ended up doing and they told me about it, is that they stole this kid's detention sheet because then if they if you lost your detention sheet you got this (laughs) a pink sheet quote unquote it was a very convoluted process you basically got a sheet that said i lost my behavior sheet i get detention so i guess the teachers had inklings that this kid was getting bullied slash like had gotten his stuff stolen from him so they gave him a new behavior sheet and this is actually very smart in an adult perspective when i see it look back on it they looked in the class to see who would react that he had his behavior sheet. A new one. Okay. So because he had the, because everyone expected him to get detention. So me being smart, cause I know can snitch. <laughs> they sent me to the principal's office and they were like, Oh, so uh, like how I, we saw that you were, you were talking about, you know, so-and-so's detention sheet and how they didn't have like, a detention this week and we were just wondering why you you did that and i was like well he had been talking about how he lost it 
which was like a half lie because like <laughs> I definitely knew that he that he had told some people, but I he definitely wasn't like, oh, I have detention this week. This is bullshit. So I was like, he said that he had lost it, so that's why I was reacting. And then they're like, and you have no idea who might have taken his behavior sheet. And I was like, I didn't know anyone taking it. I thought he had lost it. <laughs> when I knew in my head, it was like, oh, so and so and so and so. They stole, they stole his behavior sheet, and they told me that he stole his behavior sheet, and they were hoping that he gets attention and he didn't get detention. But I played it cool. Damn. I, I'm sure, I'm sure they thought I was like a fucking liar. <laughs> and then another time, I got sent to the principal's office, also in middle school, because we were playing hacky sack and we forgotten our hacky sack, so we started playing with a rock. Uh. And I had hit my friend in the face by accident. <laughs> By accident, so, right? It was by accident. We just sucked at hacky sack. So, like, we hacky sacked with a rock, and he got hit in the head. And I guess a teacher saw it. So, like, of course, I get in trouble for something pre- like we all decided to do as a group. Yeah, which I think is fucked <laughs> up. Like that was like one of those capital punishment situations where I'm like, "Are you serious? Like, why am I getting in trouble? Because we were all playing. It's not like I threw the rock at his face. Yeah, you know, whatever." But what about you, Jeff? <laughs> um, let me Small see. Small lesson, don't snitch. Don't snitch. <laughs> um, Cops aren't your friends. <laughs> Solid. I got an old man who told me that the other day. Even oh, this, yeah, you're, I that saw laundry, that. Yeah, the laundry mat. That was great. He was great. <laughs> there are two occasions that I can remember, uh, like, legitimately getting in trouble. I was like, I probably got into detention more just for, like, talking and stuff. But I don't remember those exact. But the biggest one I remember was in elementary school it was like third grade or something like this uh there's like this big like i don't even know how it started it was just like a big group fight that broke out between everyone <laughs> in one class nice. and we're all outside and stuff um and so i instead of like involved i was like throwing rocks at kids from oh my <laughs> god and throwing rocks at them uh i was playing that range class you know so <laughs> Hey, it's the safest spot. You got to get the sniper position. Still got in trouble. I think I got more trouble because it was rocks. <laughs> so. <laughs> Could have like blinded someone. I know. This is a little. <laughs> and then uh, in high school, we used to have these uh, as our, our theater department was non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the stage crew was basically student supervised the all four years of college I was there. Or not all four, but most of it. Um, and, but we had access to like the keys that opened up all the doors to every building and underneath the school, because it's like central was like these bomb shelter tunnels that led to engineering buildings and stuff like that and led everywhere else. And if you're caught down there, it's like an automatic, like huge, like trouble situation. And so we, of course, explore them like every single chance we got and just go running through them. And there's one time that a monitor actually caught us down there and like chased us through the tunnels and I don't think I didn't get caught, but almost we almost did. We were able to like turn off the lights on them and like hide in the auditorium <laughs> before mm. they were able to get back and stuff. So that's smart. That's wild. <laughs> I've always like I like the idea of running away and getting away with something like sneaky like that. I'm always like intrigued. Like, oh, we turned the corner and they ran past us. Like that those moments in the movies. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Our detention stories are like okay. Like I I don't think like I definitely probably would talk to other people who've had like actual like crazy like oh, I was drinking and smoking weed and sniffing cocaine in the bathroom. <laughs> I try to remember like the worst thing I ever caught someone got caught that I knew of like in elementary school like he had stolen his dad's Playboy 
and we used to have this like ditch in the in the like where we had recess and stuff in the field that led mm-hmm. into the desert. It was just like this random hole that they never filled that kids would just go through or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he hid the Playboy in there and the monitors found out and he got in like deep for it because he was like showing all the kids and everything like that. Sometimes I wonder like, because there's like that willful I- ignorance, right? There's like the adult, like, like I kind of know something's going on. And I feel like it happens more in high school where like adults are like, I just don't want to deal with this. Yeah. Like, I don't get paid enough. And, like, part of it's, like, that's great, but then, like, something crazy, like, school shooting or something like that happens, and you're like, man, I kind of wish they would have been a little bit more on top of things. And then the other things that are like, oh, well, these kids are just, you know, drinking beer in, like, a secret bathroom cubby. <laughs> that they Like, a chiseled hole that they did, like, Shawshank Redemption style, you know? Yeah. Where you're kind of like, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything about it. Let them fuck up their life. It's their fault. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a complicated thing, corporal punishment. Yeah. If you guys got some crazy detention stories, share them with us. I'd love to hear yes. it. Yes. <laughs> I want to hear some crazy The worst no one. one. No one, nothing like really bad, I hope, but. Yeah. Something like kind of cool. Yeah. Because Josh and I aren't, aren't cool. Not cool. No. Definitely not. <laughs> Hack two clams uh mr krabs has finally made his million dollar and in order to celebrate he decides not to take the crusty crew to a big pampering spa or anything but to take them fishing uh for clams on the stinky lagoon and the stinky ship um and while they're there spongebob accidentally hooks his million dollar and throws it in the ocean and before he can reel it back a blue-lipped clam comes and eats it and so Mr. Crab kind of loses his mind and offers up Squidward and SpongeBob as bait to get it back. And he does, but only in exchange for having the rest of his body eaten except for his head and claw. Um, what a psycho. Right, right? He's crazy. This is an entire episode is just like, just shows how really deep seated this is greed is. He's also like Deadpool. You like you just chop off his head, and then a whole other body grows back. That godlike power, right? So That's disgusting. Um, I wanted to ask you: in any situation that you had, like a prized possession or like a prized person, would you offer someone up as bait? I would only do someone as bait if I had a hundred percent, like not ninety nine point nine, a hundred percent guarantee that I knew that it was going to go. Without a hit. And see, that's what I think that Mr. Krabs is slightly more clever than we give him credit for sometimes, is that I think he knew Mm -hmm. that it would work, that he would be able, the clam would come and he could get his dollar back. Like, he was playing right, the clam played right into his hand, I guess, but yeah, at least that makes me feel like he's less of a shitty person than he actually is. (laughs) But also, why wouldn't he, like, execute that? Because they were out at sea for, like, three days. Yeah. Why couldn't you execute that plan, like, day one? Right away. I mean, maybe it's just that, you know, like, why wait that long? <laughs> that mental breakdown he had just like offered some clarity, you know? <laughs> the biggest question I have for you, Josh, which is probably the most important in this entire act. Oh, I'm ready. Is out of all the food options presented, do you think you would go with the nacho oyster skins, coral bits, or barnacle rings? Oh, wow. This is literally life-changing question right here <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like the most compelling out of everything that we've ever done um i would 100 percent have to say the uh the nacho situation i am a sucker for nachos so i couldn't go with anything else 
If you had to build a nacho oyster skin, what do you think it would be? Oh. I guess seafood nacho kind of sounds weird. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it would be... You definitely have to have that. I mean, and you can't go wrong with just throwing, like, a crappy, like, processed nacho cheese on anything. So even if it was just literally, like, an oyster with some processed nacho cheese on top and call that a, a nacho, I, that'd be fine with me. Do you think you could go get, like, canned oysters from the store right now and just put some nacho cheese on it and it would taste okay? If I smoked enough weed, I'd probably be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that guy was really high. That's probably was having a hard time. <laughs> probably. What about you? To figure it out. What would you pick? I'm also like kind of team nacho oyster skins. Even yeah. Because coral bit like coral and SpongeBob has always been regarded as like very healthy. Yeah. So like I probably don't want that. Sounds like a and kale then, chip situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't mm. like kale. No. I've tried kale multiple times and been meh, not a know? fan. It smells not bad. A fan. Uh. But yeah, but I, I really like how Squidward, because I do this a lot to like my servers and I feel bad, but I also feel like servers should be trained to at least just lie to you. Yeah. You know, like I go like, oh, what do you recommend? What do you eat? Like, because I want to know, because to be honest, after working at a restaurant for a little while, what I want to know is like, what is the go to order for someone who works there because like the odds are the odds of them like being able to eat anything on the menu are very high and they usually pick one for a reason. Yeah. Right. So like, I remember when I used to work at the place I used to work at it, like they had toasted raviolis where they literally just like breaded raviolis fried mm. like mozzarella sticks kind of situation. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And I would always get those. And like, if people were like, Oh, what do you like? I'd be like, I like the toasted raviolis. And our Philly grinder were the, like the two things I would always eat, and they're like, "Why?" I'd be like, uh, "You can't go wrong with frying something and putting cheese inside it." So boom, ravioli. And the Philly grinder, I just like it. I think it tastes pretty good. But I would never order like the f-ing spaghetti or anything like that. And like, just not for Squidward not to have anything on the menu. That I would have just been like, you know, poop. People order our patties. Yeah, exactly, right? I've been like, you know what? You should order a Krabby Patty. It's a classic. <laughs> should just you remember know? that. I, I mean, I definitely do that with waiters, too. And it's usually, like, between two options. I'm like, all right, is the pulled pork better than, like, this club sandwich? Like, which one do you prefer? And I feel like that, at least, is, like, engaging them. When Even if they haven't tried it themselves, they yeah. have at least waited on enough people, hopefully, that know, like, all right, the, a lot of people seem to like this, you know? Because I don't want to go to a restaurant and, like, get something that I'm not going to like. I'm already wasting my money on food, right? So I want to get something that actually tastes good. And the waiter is the closest thing to an expert that I have. Yeah. And like, I don't get waiters that like treat you like, oh, I don't know what to recommend. It's your taste is your taste. I hate that. Shit. When like a server is like, oh no, it's like whatever, whatever you're in the mood for. And it's like, no, I don't. Like, I feel like I, I want to go based on your recommendation. Yeah. And I feel like waiters that do that just don't want to engage. Like they just like they don't want to have the conversation. I'm like, well, why are you doing this thing where you literally have to work for people, work with people yeah. all day long? And I guess like there is that weird, awkward situation that I've seen like my parents do where it's like, well, my parents are very hard. They're just picky, mm-hmm. not picky. They just like they're set in their ways. Like me, if like a waiter's like, oh, I like this. It tastes really good. If it sounds like it tastes really good, I'll go for it. But like with my parents, it's like, oh, it's a little bit too different from the norm. They're like, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, (laughs) 
So like it'll they'll be like, oh well, what do you recommend? Right. I'm like, oh, I want the pulled pork. I think the pulled pork sandwich is really good. Mm, that's not really what I want. I think I'm gonna have this. What's the point of asking in the first place? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like if you're asking, you should either like what you do with like two separate choices, like oh, yeah. and which that's what Squidward had. Do you nacho oyster skins or the coral bits or the barnacle rings? Like you know, like what should I go for? Like he could have just been like coral bits, just like SpongeBob. He's just like, yeah, just pick bits. one. Just pick yeah, one. yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that way it just satisfies the customer and their curiosity, but. I do like that moment where he went low million dollar comes out and he's like, oh, did I, what do I win? And he's like, nothing. Get out. You're spoiling me moment. <laughs> and he just like kicks him out. Like, or he's like the way that he would dance with the million dollar and the way that he told it was a million dollars, like flossing his <laughs> to the dollar. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. He was just like literally rubbing his like <laughs> dollar on his taint. And like just yeah. by how the squeak <laughs> sounded, he could identify the dollar, which I thought was amazing. That's a se- that's a pretty a special superpower. skill. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Krabs is wild. When Mr. Krabs is like, it's every Krabs's goal to make a million dollars. Do you, does he mean like a crab, as in like a biological crab, or a crab as in like his last name Krabs? You know I, I literally saying? wrote that same exact question down because it's interesting, and I wonder. I like to think that it's it's a family thing because even mm-hmm. I thought with his mom, she was like. When we saw her, she was like kind of greedy and stuff too, right? Yeah. Or like played the like the thing that she wasn't like a potty mouth sailor or whatever. So mm-hmm. I think maybe it's like all of his family situation. But I guess I don't know. I don't think we've met another like biological crab in Bikini yeah. Bottom. I guess like in the SpongeBob universes, they're all like all the crabs are related to Mr. Krabs somehow. Yeah, right? I guess it would be probably. Yeah, right. Ugh. Dating must be hard for Mr. Krabs. <laughs> That's why he goes for Mr. Puff, Mrs. Puff. Yep, gotta go to a different species to <laughs> exactly avoid fooling around with some incestuous stuff. <laughs> That's how you end up with a whale of a daughter. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like that moment where he's like, "Um, I couldn't have done it without it, a crew like you." And that picture, you know what that picture of SpongeBob and Squidward reminded me of? What us. Really? <laughs> like that's that's us. We're just like this nasty these two nasty boys. Honestly. Doing <laughs> that is the most accurate statement ever stated on this podcast. <laughs> I was looking at it, I was like, oh, that's just Josh and I, man. And the, and like any compliment we get, like where people are like, Oh, we like the podcast is just That's, that's our Mr. Smile. Krabs. That's Mr. Krabs and then it's like it, well, you guys do such a good podcast and it's just a picture of SpongeBob and Squitter looking that's, disgusting. That's our promo this week. <laughs> a couple of boys. Uh, uh, I feel that on a spiritual level. <laughs> I knew you would because I was feeling it on a spiritual level when yeah. I watched it. I was like, it's weird. SpongeBob is dangerous with that uh that fishing hook. Though. Yeah, I don't understand why Mr. Krabs didn't stop him. You think that Mr. Krabs is like this smart sailor dude? He's like laughing at squidward getting his nose torn off and then that like you would warn or make spongebob stop he was literally pulling everything off the ship also what kind of f-ed up work trip is this <laughs> you know right? yeah he just like squidward was naked and assaulted uh within <laughs> moments of being on that stupid ship and he's just getting laughed at the ss cheap state his cheap state yeah <laughs> I mean, it reminded me of like on The Office when Michael Scott would do those like work trips, like the drunk yacht or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. like whatever the boss wants to do, and that's what you're going to end up doing. 
which sucks for the employees and stuff like that. I don't, I've never been on like a, a work retreat, so I don't know if that's actually how it works, if people get more say, but I would hope so. I think film's a little different that way, or like even with theater, it's like your work retreat is the, is the job. Yeah, I guess so. Because like if you're doing traveling gigs, it's like your bosses are very like low key. Like mm-hmm. I, I guess like the stuff I shot like recently, like the group I was with, like they would drink at the end of every night. And like that was like another thing I was asking like on my most recent work trip because I would I hadn't really gone traveling before. And I was like, well, I've never gone like traveling before. I don't know if we're gonna meet up for dinner every day. Cause there are some like groups where it's like, come on guys, let's like it's the end of our ship shift. Let's go to like I have a friend who tours. Um, and she said that she went out to a strip club with all her nice co workers, <laughs> which that sounds like a potentially fun but also potentially horrifying HR nightmare. Uh, HR nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, they're making a lot more money, I think, touring because they're touring with like a professional company. Gotcha. So it's like, w- if you have all that money to spend, I guess you should spend it on some hardworking people, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, I put that down as a small lesson is that work, tri- work trips are a gamble. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't know, you got to have the right mentality slash group of people. Yeah. To like be on a work trip with. And like, what's the reason behind the work trip? Are you just going on this work trip to get scolded or not scolded, I guess, but to have like work lessons taught to you or whatever, or is it an actual like getaway to like enjoy yourself and bond with your like coworkers and stuff? Yeah. And like, I think like a, on a work level, employees would appreciate, you know, just a raise. Yeah. Instead, like, oh, instead of going to a work trip, we got a bonus. Yeah, like a Christmas holiday bonus or whatever, something bonus. Yeah. yeah. Or like even just a small work party. Yeah. Some Christmas party that way uh, someone can put it in a secret box later. I just, <laughs> secret box. <laughs> I definitely think Mr. Krabs is just very selfish. And I think that's very apparent. More so in this episode than I think we've seen in the past, you know. Like he he threw away all the sandwiches, all the food that they had on that ship. If they didn't get that dollar back, like he was yeah. ready to let them die, <laughs> if they didn't get that dollar back. What a strategy, though, because like I li- I like the idea that it's just like, oh, it's like, oh, I'm not gonna do that for a sandwich, and he's like, oh, but you do it for the sandwich, like the sandwich that you need to live. Yeah, that is like marketing 101. That's some psychopath. <laughs> I was a little bit impressed. <laughs> One lesson I put was uh, it's easy to manipulate people with crying, so watch out for those crocodile tears. Do you think those are crocodile tears? I think those are legit. Like that's, I, was, I wrote it down that out of everything that we've seen in the past three seasons of SpongeBob, this is the first time we've actually seen someone break down in the same capacity we've seen SpongeBob break down. Oh, yeah, and I would, I would argue that this is worse than SpongeBob's ever oh, broken down. I think so, too, yeah. The most dramatic cry we've seen, yeah. for sure. He like was sucking his own feet. Yeah. Or he, he even had the narrator's like thumb that he was sucking at the very end there. <laughs> yeah. Which like, why did he take the narrator's thumb? Oh my God. <laughs> some weird, there's some weird things going on in that sequence. I think if you just replayed that sequence over and over again, you'd give someone nightmares. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, another uh, spawn lesson I got was um, to celebrate milestones for yourself. So like oh, yeah. celebrating like the million dollar situation. I think that's smart. And I think most people should do that. Even if you got like a new job or like I've been seeing a lot of posts in the last month 
seemed like a really popular month for people to move to New York of just like two years here, four years here, whatever. And like even celebrating those like small mile milestones, I think are really important just to like see how far you've come and stuff, you know, it was really yeah. good. I think that's really great because like it's a good, it's good emotionally and also like I think you should even take like a little picture and everything because you know you never know when you're gonna look back and be like remember when this happened. Yeah, exactly. Or like show your grandkids, or whatever. Yeah. One small question I had was the the lagoon that they're on. Is that Goo Lagoon too? You think? I don't because when you see Goo Lagoon like in canon, yeah. it's always like it looks like a smaller situation. Yeah. I don't think it is. I think it must be a separate thing. Like it seemed like a whole separate nasty situation, you know? Mm -hmm. That's like something Squidward says. He's like the smelly lagoon and a smelly ship or whatever. So I think it's a probably a more toxic waste dump situation than an actual lagoon. Um, I also like the free willy that was going on <laughs> where they're like, he holds the dollar up and then like the clam just like scoops it. Oh he yeah, just like swoops it up, <laughs> and then also a uh, SpongeBob and Squidward's like whole plot where he's like wearing the lipstick because it's for... a blue lip clam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just that was pretty clever. You know, out of everything they could have tried, I think that was like what that would have been my first go to is just like let's just give him another dollar. There's no way he would know. But it's also like I don't get why he cares so much. Me either. I guess like. I don't know, unless this is like a family legacy kind of thing where every like once you get your million dollar, like that's it. Right. This is like a peak for you. But I guess that's another lesson is like keep those prized possessions safe. He like, just, instead of just taping it to your butt, it wasn't even in his pocket. It wasn't even sewn in. It was yeah. taped. Like you said, it was just taped there. I don't get that. <laughs> and then the whole like crazy like uh, orchestra playing. Oh, yeah. And he's like laughing like a psychopath. <laughs> I do have to say, like, I think that this is a good episode to, like, examine how well, like, soundtracks and sound effects, like, play into our, like, pop culture and stuff. Because, like, this is 100% mm -hmm. an homage to Jaws, not only because yeah. of the clam, but because of the music. But anyone who hears that kind of music, he even says, like, it's a 4-4 string on Santianto in D minor, like, whatever the hell that means. But, like... yeah. If you hear that music, no matter if you haven't ever seen Jaws, you know that it means like something bad's coming here, right? So I think yeah. that's like really cool, like homage. I like to it that he he specifically says every sailor knows that means death. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like you listen to music and a hundred percent you feel that you're like we're gonna f die. If I yeah, if someone starts playing that on a cruise ship, I know I'm. <laughs> Wumbo lesson time. Wumbo lesson. All right. My Wumbo lesson for this week, uh, I thought it played pretty well into both parts, was uh, don't put uh, like the value of material items above personal relationships. Nice. Uh, yeah. And I definitely see that with the first part where I think SpongeBob put had way too much value on those stars. Like, you have 74 <laughs> of them. Like, you don't need to freaking out and, like, ruin a friendship with Patrick because of one. You can lose a couple. Yeah, exactly. You don't need all that ego boost. You can't even get a boating license anyways. <laughs> um, and then in the second part, it's very clear like Mr. Krabs could not care about SpongeBob and Squidward's life over this dollar. So I think it's important to make sure that you understand that, like people and those relationships and the memories and whatever you make with people is more important than like your material possessions that could disappear or break, you know, so. 
Yeah, I have a hard time with that because like I've always been like I grew up in a military family, so it's like we moved around, so a lot of like personal possessions didn't stay with us yeah. a lot, or they were like at like my grandma's house, like in a box, like just chilling there, like. And it's weird because I'm very much like I would like to be more sentimental, but even like moving to New York, I'm like, cool, we have all these playbills from all these shows we saw, and it's like it's great, but right now they're just chilling in a drawer. Yeah. Like like I could be using that drawer for cooler stuff. <laughs> or like more organized stuff. Well, and that's the thing. I think it's like I don't know. For me, it's like material objects. Like I've never, they don't really mean much. Like there's a certain like couple like more expensive stuff that like those things like are important to me or whatever because it's harder to replace. But mm-hmm. like playbills and stuff, like I keep them. But I'm like, I'm not. What am I gonna ever gonna do with these? Any of these? Just like yeah. wasting space in my closet now. But then I'm also like the polar opposite where I'm like, okay, if I keep this playbill from this one obscure like show, then like when so and so twenty years from now passes away, I can have that one like playbill from that one show and I can be like, I remember I saw them in this thing, you know? Put it on or eBay. Like, or like when <laughs> Fatima like is like at her retirement party after being a stage manager for a hundred years or something. I can be like, this is her first playbill she was in. You See, know? Yeah, like personal playbill, personal stuff like that, that makes sense. But like keeping all that, even like I, with like people who keep birthday cards in a box and stuff, I'm like, I try doing that for like a couple, like I do it for like a month and I'm like, I'm tired of having these cards lying around. Yeah. I always, I don't know. It's a very weird thing for me because like now, like nowadays you, we look back on like these letters that were written in world war one and stuff like that. And then like, I can't imagine like any historian's going to give a fuck about like a letter that my grandma sent me that says like, happy birthday, mijo. Love you. Yeah. And like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. I don't I don't know like anyone who wants this, that it's like or a gag gift from my friend that where like you open it up and it's a picture of a dog's butt or something. Yeah. You know, you're like, haha, that's funny. Like I don't think a historian's gonna be looking at that like a thousand years from now being like, Wow. The the way that Omar Lopez lived in twenty nineteen was horrific. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not even looking back at it like two months later and be like, Oh, look at this sweet little thank you note I got from someone. Like, I don't care. Like, moments passed. I'm done. So, yeah, I have a hard time with it. Like, again, I want to be sentimental about it, but in it's like, how do you not become a hoarder? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's why I kind of right. like the it's one thing I do feel with it is like uh, scrapbooks. Like, I really like old uh, photo albums because I feel like with digital photos, you'd never look at them really. Like, my friend, yeah. uh, a friend of mine, her phone just got f-ed up. So she only had photos for some reason on her phone from like like 2012 to 2015. So she posted a picture of me and like had videos of me that I was like, I don't even remember these moments happening, <laughs> but I'm glad that I have these pictures because like, I guess memory is fleeting and I feel weird about it. But yeah. like I watched it and I was like, this is so cool. But you like don't get that nowadays as much because like unless like Facebook memories brings it up. And even then, those are mostly you know. embarrassing. So yeah, we should bring back sync. Yeah, sync. Yeah, should bring back uh, photo albums. I do miss that. I want to, but it's expensive to print photos. Yeah. So, what did you get for your uh, Wumbo lesson this week? So, my Wumbo lesson this week is: there is no point in achieving a goal if you aren't going to enjoy it, or if it makes your life harder. Ooh, kind of like 
why is that sounded even? Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting on the toilet when I came up with it. Nice. That's the best thinking spot. Yeah, I do all my best thinking on the toilet. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I picked it because like SpongeBob has, uh, I've mentioned it before, he has like all these stars and he's already achieved so much, but it's just making, it's something that someone's holding over his head, yeah. you know, like kind of blackmailing him for it slash like extorting him manipulation i think it's the same thing yeah manipulating i guess is the word and then um with mr krabs as well with like the the dollar he like didn't do anything to protect it he just like let that he just let his life get harder yeah you know same thing with spongebob i think i think both of them just like made their lives more difficult with their achievements instead of just enjoying them for what they are like like mr krabs could have been like you know what i did make my millionth dollar and even though I don't have it anymore, like I still accomplish that. Exactly. And SpongeBob can just be like, you know, I can get that seventy fourth star later. Get it back. Yeah, it's not that hard. Yeah, he's yeah. already done it before, so you can do it again. Yeah, I just think people get. It's like I think it's an ego thing, you know, yeah. probably for both of them. I think people get really caught up for in like the moment of like, oh, I achieved this. I'm so great. I'm so awesome. And they don't realize like that moment could be very fleeting if like. You just got to enjoy it in that moment that you can. Yeah. And it's like, I, I get being sentimental over like something that represents an accomplishment, but it doesn't take away the accomplishment. No. If it's gone, you know? Yeah. Like, it's nice to have. I definitely think that it's a better way for your brain to like remember, feel warm and fuzzy about it. Yeah. But it doesn't take away any of the hard work and wonderful things that you've done. You Absolutely know? not. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think it was, even though it was uh, simple episodes, I think we got some nice, sweet, sweet, heartfelt stuff out of there. Got some good nuggets, for sure. Good good old nuggets about spanking children and <laughs> rubbing a dollar on your taint. Yeah, it's the little things in life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thank you for listening to this week's episode. Uh, if you want to send us any, 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 any comments or suggestions, please reach out to us on ismainisapodcast.com. Or email us at ismainisapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Message us on there, you know. Uh, bully us. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> also, yeah. be sure to share with your <laughs> friends and your enemies. And to comment on all the wonderful places you can comment. And to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And before we go, you know, I want to share a joke with you guys. Good way to end it. Nice little laugh. Let's do it. I want to hear it. Are you ready, Josh? I'm ready. 24. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wait, wait. I got one better. I got one better. Are you ready? Oh, a better (laughs) joke? Yeah. What is it? 25.